0: We were talking about prior to this, staying on our course with God and finishing our course strong. So let's look at these verses here in 2nd Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, because this is going to tell us how we can do what we need to do. From now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. Notice I have kept the faith. So we see here that we all have a run, a race to run, we all have a course to finish. And how are we going to finish that course strong? Well, the Apostle Paul reveals to us that if we want to succeed, then we've got to use our faith. It takes faith in order for us to overcome the obstacles that are in our way and the influences of the forces of the devil, the world, and the flesh. And Paul says exactly he had to use his faith like we do to overcome the devil, the world, and the flesh. Our perfect example is Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, where we find out when he, after 40 days of fasting and prayer, was tempted of the devil. And in every dimension of man, spirit, soul, and body, what did he do? He used the word spirit, soul, and body. First of all, the body, bread. Turn those stones into bread because you're hungry. What did he say? It is written. Soul, throw yourself down. The angels will pick you up. They'll catch you. No, he said, it is written. You don't tempt the Lord your God. The third thing he used his faith was well if you just bow down and worship me I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world the glory and the power thereof and he said uh-uh no What? it once again it's written you serve the Lord that's it him alone will I serve and that's it so we see that he used his faith based on the word that was written to overcome all the obstacles that the enemy tried to put in his path so he overcame that way look at these verses in Ephesians chapter 6 remember Paul was taught the gospel by Jesus and here above all take the shield of what shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench a few fiery darts all the fiery darts of the devil everybody say all so what quenches all the fiery darts of the devil the shield of what faith so we need to use our faith to shield ourselves from all the attack of the enemy look at the next one. First john five verse four uh, verse four here john basically saying we can overcome the world how for whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our what? Faith. Our faith overcomes the influences that we face in this world. Lust of the flesh, pride of life. Lust of the eyes, pride of life. He said those are the things that are in the world, and we overcome them how? by our faith. So we've got to use our faith for that. Then the third one we see also, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, the apostle Paul speaking says this, for we walk by what? Faith, faith not by what? sight in other words the flesh that's, that's talking about the senses the five physical senses that help us navigate through this life and we need them no, no question about that but we can't let them dominate our lives we walk by faith not by sight if we walk by what we see on the television every day can you imagine where we'd be imagine that all the evil that's in the world today would be full of fear anyhow first timothy chapter six and verse 12 the apostle paul said it this way remember he finished his course how? By keeping the faith. Fight the good fight of faith. If faith is a fight, what is the weapon? Grenades? Bow and arrow? No. Nuclear bombs? What is it that we fight with? You're going to see it's going to be words. Words. Lay hold on eternal life wherein two thou art also called, and hast professed or confessed a good profession or confession before many witnesses. The fight of faith is talking about our staying on course, defeating the enemy, the influences of the devil word in the flesh, by using the word of faith. By as Jesus did, it is written, it is written, it is written. We speak the word to the situation and expect the situation to submit itself to the word of God. Now, while all these influences are trying to get us off our course, we need to use our faith to stay on course with God and finish it successfully. But notice Paul says you're laying a hold of what? Eternal life. So faith is using all that Jesus did for us in his redemptive work, getting a hold of it, learning of it, who we are in Christ, what we have in Christ, putting it on the inside of us, and then using it to do what? Defeat the enemies that we face, the devil, the world, and the flesh. We've got to lay a hold on it first in order for us to succeed. So we need to learn who we are in Christ, what we have in Christ, what we can do through Christ, and then we embrace those truths and we make a declaration of our faith. The word profess is confess other places, but we're confessing him before men we're confessing him in a given situation and as a result of our confessing him we set in motion spiritual laws that will help us overcome so that we can finish our course successfully look in the book of romans chapter three because this is so important to understand about faith people just use faith aimlessly like i've got faith i've got faith well that's great but there are different kinds of faith there are different levels of faith manifestations of faith so there's no faith little faith great faith perfect faith sustaining faith and so on where is, boast, where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law of works? No, but by the law of faith. Faith is a law. And that we have to understand. It's a spiritual law that operates just like natural laws operate on certain conditions. The law of, for example, gravity is a law. Every one of us is submissive to the law of gravity right now. You realize that? Aren't you glad you are? But there's a higher law than the law of gravity called the law of aerodynamics. And when that law is in operation and manifestation, it will take you up above the law of gravity and put an airplane up in the sky and keep it up there as long as the conditions are being met. If those conditions stop being met, what happens to the airplane? It will come back down to the ground because the law of gravity will prevail in that situation. So we see that there is a law of gravity But there's a higher law of aerodynamics and one can rise up above the other. Well, why is that important to us? Romans 8 verses 1 and 2 will tell us why. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. Now, To get the full import of this, you have to understand that in chapter 7, Paul was talking about the body that he was living in that was giving him trouble. Remember he said, man, I want to do this, I don't do it, I don't want to do that, and I do it. He was saying, who's going to deliver me from the body of this death? And so what he was talking about, and if you can go back with me in time, back in, uh, way back in the Roman times, if you murdered somebody, they took that dead corpse of that body that you murdered... And they tie it nose to nose, face to face to you, to your body, until the decay and, of the body, the worms and all that, kill you too. How would you like to die that kind of a death? So what Paul was saying, we're all tied to a body that's under the law of sin and death. Okay, that's a law. I'm tied to this body. You're tied to your body. That body is under the law of sin and death. And sin and death are at work within the physical body, which is why we're going to go back to the dust of the earth. But there's a higher law than that law called the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus who liberates us from the law of sin and death. I'll tell you what, the moment you got wrapped around with that body, wouldn't you like to have somebody come along and liberate you and deliver you and set you free from that kind of a death? Well, Paul was saying that even though my flesh wants to do wrong things, thank God the spirit of life that's in me in Christ Jesus can lift me up above the law of sin and that that's operating in my body. Look at Romans chapter 5 verse 12. The law of sin and death came into being in this world in which we live by Adam and Eve. It started in Lucifer who basically set the law in motion. But when Adam and Eve submitted themselves to his thoughts and suggestions, what happened? Romans chapter 5 verse 12. Wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world. And death by sin. So that death passed upon all men. For that all have sinned. So there's nothing that you and I can do. To rise up above the law of sin and death. That's operating within our members. That will take us straight to the lake of fire. Throughout eternity. Unless there was something else that can liberate us from it. That can release us from it. Well guess what? Can anybody in this. Church building, rise up above the law of gravity on your own. You might jump up for a little while, but you're going to hit right back down. It's impossible for you to establish enough thrust and lift to get you up in the sky. You can't do it by yourself. It's impossible to do by yourself. Well, the same thing is true in the realm of the spirit. The law of sin and death has been set in motion by. Lucifer, Adam, and Eve introduced into this society in which we live and it's at work within our members and there's no liberating ourselves from it on our own. But I don't want to stop there. There is a law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that liberates us from the law of sin and death. And when you enter into Christ, it's like entering into a rocket ship or whatever that will liberate us from this effect of the law of sin and death and get us off that course and put us on the right course, praise God, so that we can rise up above the law of sin and death and spend our eternity with him in glory and not in the lake of fire. But it's up to us to make a decision as to what we're going to do. Anybody want off this, this course of destruction? Well, if you're a born-again believer, you're off of it right now. But look at how. Look at Mark's gospel, chapter 11, verse 23. You know you can't preach faith without this verse of scripture. That's an impossibility. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe. Believe what? Believe in God? That's not what he said. Believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Is the law of faith. The law of faith enables us to tap into the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus to lift us up above the law of sin and death. This is how it operates. Jesus spoke to a living tree, he said, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. The next day it was dead. It dried up by the root and they saw that it was dead. And when they pointed that out to Jesus, his disciples, he said, look, have the faith of God or the God kind of faith. Whosoever shall say to that mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. If you don't doubt in your heart, but believe in your words, it'll come to pass. It will come to pass. So he taught the law of faith as being a higher law than the lower law of sin and death. Now, look in the book of uh, Matthew, Matthew's gospel, chapter 17, verse 20. For some reason, we have not taken the time that we need to really focus on this law of faith. But look at what Jesus says here. An outstanding scripture about what a person can do who learns to operate in the law of faith and activate the law of the spirit of life. And Jesus said unto them, when they couldn't cast the devil out, because of your what? He didn't say the devil couldn't come out because it wasn't God's will. He said, because of your unbelief. For verily, truly, I say to you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall what? Jump? Run? You shall what? Say. Notice how faith is released. You shall say. Three components to faith Paul taught. You got to hear, you got to believe, and you got to speak. Action. Action. And the primary action of faith is speaking. You got to hear the word. Faith comes by hearing. You got to believe the word. You got to believe in your words. Not just in God. You believe in God. But he said you got to believe in your words. You got to believe your words have power. And once you believe, speak. Speak the word to that mountain. It will obey you. Everywhere Jesus taught faith. He said speak to the mountain. It will obey you. He said speak to the tree. It will be rooted." And notice this. You shall say to this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. And look at this last part. And nothing. Everybody say, Nothing. Nothing shall be impossible unto you. Wow. Is he teasing us or what? Nothing shall be impossible unto you. So the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is the only law that can deliver us from the law of sin and death and take us into glory. And keep us from the lake of fire. And the way that law is operated. The conditions that have to be met. You've got to believe something from your heart. And you've got to say something with your mouth. And if you don't believe me. Look at Romans chapter 10. Here the apostle Paul. Once again was taught the gospel by Jesus. And look at what he says. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee even in your mouth. And in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Paul preached the word of faith. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Notice you hear the gospel, you believe the gospel, and you proclaim it. You confess it. So here he is taught Jesus taught him how a person gets off the course of death. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. From what? The law of sin and death. Okay, how does a person get saved then? You hear the gospel, you believe the gospel. And then you use your heart and mouth to call upon the name of the Lord. And the word salvation is the Greek word soteria, And it means not only saved, healed, preserved, delivered, made whole. So when we believe the gospel and we speak the word, it takes us up above the law of sin and death. And enables us to climb the heights in God. But it's a law that we have to learn to operate in. Look at John's gospel chapter 5 and verse 24. When a person sets in motion that law, something beautiful happens. The most meaningful thing will happen in your life if you've never done this before. Verily, verily, this is a double verily. That means it's really important. I say unto you that he that heareth my word and believes on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death unto life. He's passed from de- There is nothing you or I can do to pass from death to life. In Adam, every person dies and is lost forever unless they operate this law. Matter of fact, Dante and I were looking we asked Siri a lot of things. Anybody here asked Siri a lot of things? How many people die every day? Any idea? 159,000 every day. Imagine how many of those are lost and on their way to a lake of fire throughout eternity. 159,000. Births, 233,000. Every day, 233,000 are being born into the world. But that number, just to think that that many people are entering into an eternity without Christ. Many can be, and probably will be, because he said, few that be that find it are being lost every day. No wonder we need to evangelize the world that we live in and tell people about Christ. But that law will get us off the course of death, and that law will set us on the course of life. And to stay on that course, it's up to us to use our what? faith to quench every fire to dart to the devil to overcome the influences of the world and to navigate through life beyond our five physical senses now in the book of proverbs chapter 18 and i pray we can get through this today this is this i believe is such an important message for all of us which is why i am going to introduce it after this other series i did because this is really what makes it all work the gospel without faith being mixed with it doesn't benefit anybody we're told in Hebrews chapter 4. But anyhow, a man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. Notice. And with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. That's the heart. Death and life are in the power of a bomb. Of the what? Tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. What is he saying? We eat the fruit of our words. We eat the fruit of what we believe and say. We will become what we believe and say. And so, it's important to understand death and life are where in the power of the tongue. The tongue is a small member, but James says both great things. It can turn the direction of a ship. It can turn the direction of a horse by putting a bit inside of its mouth, right? And it also can control the whole body, we're told in James chapter three. So it's important we understand that. Now, Hebrews chapter 3, verses 19 through chapter 4, verse 2. And I'm going to go through this quickly. There's just too much and it's too rich. i like to throw it out there and give it all to us, but we'd be here for a week to give all the details. But this is just a quick summary of something that happened that we need to be aware of. In the book of Hebrews chapter 3, remember the book we're told is to prevent people from going back into Judaism, or we could say backsliding. So we see that they could not enter in, enter what? The promised land. Why? Because the giants were too big? Because the walls of Jericho were too fortified? Does it say that? Why couldn't they enter in? Unbelief. Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being less us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Why? For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, But the word preached did not profit them or benefit them, not being mixed with what? Faith in them that heard it. So you can hear it, you've got to believe it, and you've got to speak it or say it. And we're going to show that to be true, but this or their example was written. Why are these things in the Bible? The Holy Ghost singled them out and recorded them in the Bible. For our benefit. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I know your notes say 13. But that should be 10. So make a correction there. Now all these things happened unto them. The Israelites when they came out of Egypt. On their journey to the promised land. For examples. And they are written for what? Our admonition. Upon whom the ends of the world are come. Why was this recorded? Why was this written? For our admonition. So let us be aware of what they did and how they fell short, lest we too fall short and don't use our faith to enter into the fullness of the blessings that God has provided for us. Now to make, look at the Amplified version first of all. Look at the Amplified. This is the AMPC, the classic version. Now these things befell them by way of a figure as an example and warning to us. They were written to admonish and fit us for right action by good instruction We in whose days, the ages have reached their climax, their consummation and concluding period. We're living in the last days and we're taught, we're being taught by this example what to avoid and what to do. So in the book of Numbers, this is where all this is listed. This is where this comes from. We're shown how these individuals when they came out of Egypt failed to enter into a short journey to the promised land, not because of giants, and not because of fortified walls, but because of unbelief. Unbelief kept them out. So let's, we're going to read through this. I'm going to make some comments along the way. Numbers 13, 27, they sent spies to spy out the land. There were 12 that went out to spy out the land. 10 came back with an evil report. Two came back with a good report. Keep that in mind. And they told him and said, We came into the land whither thou sendest us, and surely it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, and the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea, and by the coast of Jordan. Caleb tried to intervene, he stills the people, and he says before Moses, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But, not, but the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched. Under the children of Israel, saying, Saying, the land through which we have gone to search it, it is a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature, And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. So now we have these 10 spies. And this is their report. This is what they believe. This is what they say. It was based on what they saw. It was based on now what these others are hearing. And now their hearts are just discouraged Because of what they saw. And what they heard. Now keep that in mind. Look what it did. Look at chapter 14. Beginning of verse 1. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness. And wherefore hath the Lord brought us out unto this land to fall by the sword, that our, and that our wives and our children should be a prey. Were it not better for us to return to Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make a captain and let us return to Egypt. Does that sound like that they were full of faith in God? So the ten leaders taught them unbelief and doubt. It penetrated their very hearts. And even though they didn't see the promised land. They didn't see the giants. They believed in their leaders who told them all this. This evil report. We can't do it. It's impossible. Let's read on. Joshua and Caleb were different. But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. They were not happy. And they spake unto the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we passed through to search, it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, he will bring us into this land and give it us a land which flows with milk and honey. Only rebel not against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their defenses departed from them. And all this is true. But they didn't know it. And the Lord is with us. Fear them not. But the congregation. Shouted and praised God. And said let's do it. You know when I first came here. Preaching faith 40 years ago. That's how I felt. stone them with stones. Not from the congregation. But from outsiders. I was called a heretic, a young whippersnapper. And I mean, I was preaching heresy. Boy, it's changed today, hasn't it? Yeah. Stone them with stones. Why? Because they said God's on our side and we can do it. Did you hear that? Joshua and Caleb said God's on our side, we can do it. And they said stone him with stones. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before the children of Israel. Let's read on. Look at verse 11. And the Lord said to Moses. This is God speaking. How long will this people provoke me? How are they provoking him? With words. And how long will it be they believe me? Faith has to hear and believe, right? And speak. For all the signs which I've showed among them. All the signs. 4,500 tongues of manna coming down every day from heaven. 11 million gallons of water coming out of a rock every day. To satisfy their thirst. The Red Sea parting. Uh, I can go on and on. They saw all that. But now God says, I'm going to get you in that promised land. But you see giants and they're bigger than you. And they're greater than you or greater than I. Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have tempted me now these 10 times and have not hearkened to my voice or word. Surely they shall not see the land which I swear to their fathers. Neither shall any of them that provoke me see it. But my servant Caleb because he has another spirit with him. And he hath followed me fully. Him will I bring to the land. Whereunto he went and his seed shall possess it. Look at the next ones. This is God speaking. How long shall I bear with this evil congregation. Which murmur against me. I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel. Which they murmur against me. Here it is. The bomb's about to drop. Saying to them. As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as you have spoken in mine ears, so will I do to you. The Canaanites aren't going to kill them. The Jebusites aren't going to get them. None of the Termites or any of the Ites will hurt them in any way. But God said, As you spoke. You got it. Now look at the the next. The last couple of uh, scriptures. 35 to 37. I the Lord have said. I will surely do it unto all this evil congregation. That are gathered together against me. In this wilderness they shall be consumed. And there they shall die. And the men. These are the ten men which Moses sent to search the land who returned and made all the congregation to murmur against me by bringing up a slander upon the land. even those men that did bring up the evil report upon the land died by the plague before the Lord. So the ten men that were the leaders that spewed out doubt and unbelief and said we can't do it, they died right instantly before the Lord right there by this plague. We'll get to that in a second. But notice in your notes, I put some things in there to kind of summarize it to see. Number one, their self-image and their God-image was wrong. Those 10 spies and what happened? They put it upon all the people that were in a congregation and they listened to what they said and they believed what they said. And so their self-image was wrong and their God-image was wrong. They saw themselves as grasshoppers and they saw God not equipped enough to get them into the promised land. Secondly, their believing and speaking were both wrong. What they believed was wrong. What they spoke was wrong. We're going to die in this wilderness. We're going to die. We should go back to Egypt. They murmured. They complained about everything that was against them. All because of what they saw with their physical eyes. Thirdly, they expressed their unbelief with doubt-filled words. Doubt-filled words. We can't. They're bigger. We can't. There's no possible way. We can't do it. Next one. God gave them what they believed and what they said. You said you're going to die in the wilderness? Okay, you'll die in the wilderness. And look at the last one. The spies that went out, to spy out the land, the leaders, the teachers that were supposed to really influence them in the right direction, they died by the plague. And the plague, which, you know, my mind, my teaching mind, makes me to find out what that plague was. And I'll tell you what, if you have never heard this, it'll shock you. But it's the truth. We're talking about the heart. We're talking about the mouth. We're talking about faith or unbelief. What's in your heart. And what's coming out of your mouth. Worms came out, came out of their navels. This is John Gill's. Expository. Teachings. And up to their jaws. And ate them and their tongues. And others that they came out of their tongues. Enter their navels. Which they take to be just retaliation. For sinning with their tongues. The plague made out the tongues, the jaws, and the navels of those 10 leaders. Because they taught unbelief. Where do you go to church? I go to a faith church. Oh, you're one of those. Where do you go? A doubt and unbelief church. We major in doubt and unbelief. Really? Is that what you want to hear? Joshua, we'll get through this quick. Remember, he was one of the two that had the right report. So let's look at him and analyze him. Yeah. And also Caleb. This is Caleb, basically. Now in Joshua chapter 14, this is some time after. Then the children of Israel, of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said. Everybody say the Lord said our faith has got to be based on what the Lord said too often people try to use their own faith based on what they say based on what they think but our faith must be based on what God said God said that we may boldly say okay he said to him thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses the man of God concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to spy from Kadesh Barnea, to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was where? What did he bring? Word that was where? In his heart. So he heard the word that was told to Moses. I'm going to send an angel before your face. He's going to take you to the promised land. And all those ice that are there, God said, I will slay them. I'm going to give you their land. He believed the saying of the Lord in his heart. He heard it, he believed it, and he said it in those verses we just read. Surely the land were on thy, f- well, what, ne- I saw it at the top. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. That's an unbelief church. But I wholly follow the Lord my God. As Mo- and Moses swear on that day saying, surely the land were on thy feet. Have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord. And now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive as he said. Notice it's as he said. These forty and these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, with, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. Happy birthday, Caleb. He's 85 years old. And my legs are hurting. And my arms are sore. And I have headaches every day. These migraines are just terrible. As yet, I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now For war both to go out and to come in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain. What? How old are you, Grandpa? Caleb, 85. What what, what do you want me to get for you? I'd like to have a sword. A spear. A shield. Whatever. I'm ready to go out to war and battle. What? But Grandpa, you're 85 years old. Oh, my strength is as it was then. I'm just as strong right now. The message of faith is this message right here. And it's based on these truths right here. Look at him. He had the right self-image and the right God image. He saw himself in Christ or in God. He saw God as being bigger than all the ites and the walled cities. He believed what God said. He believed what he he heard. And he put the word in his heart and in his mouth. And he boldly proclaimed it in faith. As a result, of course, God gave him what he believed. He expressed his faith with faith-filled words. God gave him what he believed. And instead of him as one of the others had their navels and tongues and jaws eaten out, guess what? He didn't have his eaten out. He used his to eat the good of the land. He ate the good of the land instead of the worms eating out his mouth and heart. This is what the true message of faith is all about. Am I saying it's easy for us to develop it? No. You know why? Because Jesus said, speak to a mountain, it'll remove, it'll obey you. Speak to a tree, it'll uproot and plant into the sea. It'll obey you. If you had faith, you'd say this. If you had faith, you'd say that. And guess what? Nothing would be impossible to you. How about that? Wow. Wow alright let's close with Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 because this is what we're talking about right here Paul says I am crucified with Christ have you been crucified with Christ nevertheless I live are you still alive yet not I but Christ lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh how do I live I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. How do you live by the faith of the Son of God? It's very simple. Very simple. Find out who you are in Christ. Find out what you have in Christ. Find out what you can do through him and what he can do in you if you yield yourself to him. And you'll discover this. Number one, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. You believe that? I appreciate your participation. You're really enthusiastic this morning. I see you're on fire. Are you a new creation? Let me tell you something right now. The reason why I emphasize this is because of this. When I first got saved for many, many years, I heard Christians, I heard preachers on TV, in pulpits say this You know, we're so unworthy, Lord. We're just like worms in the dust, but we're coming before you. Wait a minute. That's not Bible. That's not gospel. You are a new creation. You are a new species. You never before existed. And when you got washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, you are no longer who you used to be. Do you believe? Did you hear that? But if you're hearing, I'm nothing but a worm in the dust. Nothing but a worm. I'm barely going to make it through life. Just barely getting along. If you hear that, guess what? You will believe that and you'll say that. And guess what you'll have? That. But when you hear, you're a new species who never before existed in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Your slate is clean in Christ Jesus. And number two, you are his workmanship. That word workmanship in the Greek is the word masterpiece. You are his, say it with me, I'm a masterpiece. His work of extraordinary skill. That's who you are. He took you by his blood and washed you in his blood and made you his masterpiece. And remember David when he made the what? Statue of, Michelangelo made the statue of David. Remember that? He found, found this discarded piece of marble. Nobody wanted it. It was in a marble, marble graveyard. He saw that thing. Other sculptors looked at it and said, there's no possible way we can use that. It's no good. But David looked at that p- same piece of marble, and David carved I, I, I'm sorry, Michelangelo carved out David from that piece of marble, and it became what it is today, a masterpiece. And basically set off his career as one of the greatest sculptors of all time. And they asked him, what did you see in that discarded, ugly piece of no good marble? He said, when I looked at it, I saw David. And I just took anything and everything away that didn't look like him. Guess what? When he saw you, he saw himself in you. And when you came to him, he took everything away from you that wasn't him. If you were to take away this outward flesh of yours and you see your spirit, you'd be Christ-like, full of glory. You're a masterpiece. Don't ever say you're not. You're a masterpiece. And there's no guilt, there's no condemnation if you're in Christ Jesus because this higher law is greater than the lower law. And it lifts up above the lower law. You are an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus. You are more than a conqueror through Him that loves you. You're a word overcomer by your faith in Almighty God and you overcome the world by your faith. And the list goes on and on. And guess what? We should be teaching this behind the pulpits and letting people know stop saying who you are and what you have when you can say who you are in Christ and what you have in Him don't let the mountain speak to you you speak to the mountain and tell it what you want it to do amen you got to believe it in your heart you got to say with your mouth and guess what you'll have whatever you say why because you're so big and strong no because god said i'll give you what you said didn't he tell them that we're in doubt and unbelief you said you're going to die okay okay as you spoke in my ears it'll be to you but what about when you speak in the ears of the lord i'm your masterpiece Oh, I am your workmanship of, of high quality. I am your heir. I'm a joiner with Jesus. I'm a world overcomer. I'm more than a conqueror. I am who you made me. That's who I am. And you declare it every single day of your life. Fill with the Holy Ghost and fill with power. And let's close with this last closing verse. Philippians four thirteen. You know what those 10 spies said? We can't do it. We can't do it. We cannot do it. What's the devil telling you you can't do today? What's the world telling you you can't do today? What's your flesh telling you that you can't do today? Don't have to answer that. The devil, the world, and the flesh will always tell us what we cannot do. You can't do it. You can't get to the promised land. You can't overcome. You can't rise up above it. This thing is just too hard. Let me tell you something right now. Apostle Paul, no one suffered like Paul did. Not even Jesus in the sense of the physical suffering. Spiritually speaking, when Jesus became sin, was the worst suffering of anyone. But Paul, five times cat and nine tails, Jesus once. Paul, three times beaten with rods, Jesus never. And the list goes on and on. Stoned to death, left for dead. Paul suffered so much, it's beyond our comprehension. But he said, you know what? Whatever circumstance I find myself in, I'm not moved by it. You know why? I, it's personal. Can, it's positive. Do, it's practical. All things, it's pervasive. Through Christ, it's providential. Who strengthens me, it's powerful. I can do all things through Christ, who strengthens me. Let's all stand together and shout to the Lord. Hallelujah! I can do all things through Christ who is the strength of my life. Shout to the Lord somebody.